0: So I'm going to share a story with you that many of you just don't know. Okay, you guys do know this, (laughs) that when I first left the law, I was working as a business and real estate attorney for 13 years, quit my job. You can go all the way back to episode one to hear everything about that, but quit my job and left my life as a lawyer to become a dating coach. And here's the part people don't know. One of the first offerings that I put out into the universe as a dating coach was a group coaching program, and I remember being so excited, so stinking excited to launch this group coaching program, and I really, I did a lot of work for it. I had had a lot of conversations and videos and marketing posts and all the things that people were doing back then to launch a program, and I launched it. And not a single person registered. Not the entire time. The entire time the cart was open, not one person registered. But the next time, the next time I launched that very same program, it filled in less than a week. And a waiting list was created for the next round. And what I ended up doing was actually just launching a second group simultaneously. So I was running two groups. And from that point on, I was always running at one time two groups for that program. So what did I do differently? The first time I launched, not a single person joined. And the second time I launched, it was full with a waiting list and a waiting list long enough to fill a couple of rounds of that program. Well, the name of the program, let me give you some background information. The name of the program when I first launched it was called Take Charge of Your Love Life and Find Fulfilling Love. Now, (laughs) I was 100% certain of the success in that program because I knew, I mean, I really did know that my audience wanted to find lasting love. That's what they were ultimately saying that they wanted, their forever partner, marriage. You know, they wanted that person that was gonna be with them. They wanted to stop dating. They wanted to get in an exclusive, monogamous, long-term, committed relationship. And the program that I created Provided everything. It provided everything they needed to reach that result. Because you see, I knew, I knew what they really needed, what they really needed to get results. Because they were out there searching kind of for a few things, but what they were looking for, I was like, that's not going to do it. That's not going to help them solve the problem that they're having, which is they're not able to find the right people. They're not able to find this fulfilling love. But I, I, Rita, I know, I know what they need, and I'm going to give it to them. And I created this program again that had everything in it to give them that result, including practices to help them increase their self esteem, because that's what I knew, number one, they needed to do. So it had practices to increase their self esteem, exercises to work through what I mean. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, if you've listened to any coach, you've heard this phrase to work through their limiting beliefs, right? So I gave them exercises to do that. And then I had all of these ways that the participants of this program could fully step into their value. And so raising their self-esteem, working through limiting beliefs, stepping into their value, that was really the core of the program so that they could attract a partner who really valued them in return. And these were all things that I was sure everyone could understand were needed to find fulfilling love. Like, I just knew it. They will understand this. They will see this is a missing piece and they will need it to find fulfilling love. And so when I put it out there, I was excited. I was ready. I was like, this is going to be it. And I was just shocked. (laughs) I was shocked that not a single person registered. That's when I learned about market research that's when I embraced market research. Now, I have done episode after episode after episode about market research. You can go back through kind of the back catalog of episodes here and find out all about it or go into my Facebook community, The All in Entrepreneur, and search the word or the phrase market research and find all the posts about it. But This is what made me do it. I was like, why did it not fill? And I was on a hunt for like the information. And I came across the concept of market research. And I was like, that, I'm going to do that. (laughs) And so I did. And after conducting market research, what I realized from these conversations with people was that even though my audience, my people, they wanted fulfilling love, they did not feel like they were anywhere near ready to find it or to really have it. So they knew they ultimately wanted it, but it felt so far away from them. In fact, I remember one person saying directly, hey, Rita, that's awesome. Like, yes, I ultimately want fulfilling love. And when I'm ready for it, then I'm going to hire you. I'm totally going to hire you. But for right now, I just need to learn how to get a second date. I just need to learn how to make this whole process fun. I don't even enjoy dating, Rita. So I need to do that. Once I learn how to do that, and then I get on my way to like getting closer to finding fulfilling love, then I'll come to you. So, like, these conversations showed me that they felt like their immediate problem had nothing to do with finding fulfilling love, even though that was a the result they ultimately wanted. They didn't feel like that was the immediate result that they needed in their life. So, People came to me when I was having all of these conversations, and it was something I already knew, but what was confirmed was people came to me wanting to know things like where to go to meet people. (laughs) Side note, like anywhere, guys. If you're single and you're asking yourself, where can I go to meet people? Literally anywhere. Just get out of your house. (laughs) But that's like a side note, right? But people wanted to know, like, where do I go to meet people, Rita? How do I write an online dating profile? Why am I not getting a second date? How do I reject someone? What do I do if I'm rejected and I didn't want to be? What if somebody ghosts me? Like, how do I just make this fun? And that was something that came up over and over and over again in my market research. How can I just simply have fun dating instead of dreading it? So when I heard all of these things, and I heard them all on repeat, it made total sense. Of course they weren't going to join a program about raising their self-esteem or overcoming limiting beliefs or stepping into their power. That's not what they were looking for. And confirming that and learning that was incredibly helpful. So, what I did the second launch is I renamed the program. I renamed the program to Take Charge of Your Love Life and Have Fun Dating so that the program itself, just the title of the program, spoke to the immediate challenge and the very specific result that my audience was seeking. Finding fulfilling love was the general overall result, but the specific problem that they were having is that nothing about dating was fun to them. My program had to clearly communicate that it solved that specific urgent in their face immediate problem. So, take charge of your love life and have fun dating. And I also changed my marketing. So, I knew, I knew that increasing self-esteem and overcoming limiting beliefs and fully stepping into your value, that was intertwined with everything that they wanted. Things like meeting the right people and getting second dates and enjoying the process of dating, I knew that once they raised their self-esteem, once they worked through these limiting beliefs, once they fully stepped into their value, that they would then enjoy the process of dating and have all of these things happen for them. And all of these things that were a challenge were going to be made easier. I knew that, but they didn't know that. So I could have spent all of my marketing time and all of this effort and time trying to convince people that The solutions they were looking for, the information they were looking for, wasn't going to solve their problem. But that wouldn't have done anyone any good. It wouldn't have really helped or served them because they weren't really going to believe me. It definitely was going to like not help me connect. If anything, it was going to create a defensive, almost alienating disconnect for my audience. If I'm trying to convince someone, that's a very different energy. And that's even a podcast for another day. But you see my point. I could have done that. I could have been trying to say, hey, what you've been looking for, that's not the solution. Knowing how to write an online dating profile, that's not going to help you find fulfilling love. Getting a list of where to go to meet people, that's not going to help you find fulfilling love. But do you know what will? If you step into your value, if you work through, like I could have just banged my head against a wall trying to show and convince people that my solutions were the right solutions and that their solutions weren't really going to help them. But that wouldn't do any good. So I did, I kept all of that information in the program. Nothing about the program, like the actual substance of the program, changed. From the first launch where nobody signed up to the second launch where everyone signed up. Nothing about that changed. I kept all of the practices about self-esteem and I kept all of the exercises about limiting beliefs and everything, all the information that people needed to step into their value. Like it was all there in that program. But what I did was adjusted the marketing of the program so that I could meet my audience and my marketing where they were at. And what that means is I was highlighting the solutions that they were looking for. And when they saw the solutions they were looking for, they could fully connect with the value of the program and the impact that it was going to have in their lives, which opened the door to building a deep relationship and starting to establish that safety and that trust. Because what trust is, right, when you're thinking about how can I build truly deep and authentic relationships with my audience, which is what we've been talking about forever, And in fact, guys, just remember I have a relationship selling masterclass that is happening. Later this month, you can go to the link in the show notes. It's a completely free class. It's going to be one of the best masterclasses I've taught. It's all about the relationship selling model, and it's going to go into tools that you can use to really build these deep, authentic relationships that establish trust so that, right, because we're not doing it instead of sales, but so that you sell with ease, so that you sell in ways that feel good and you really get big results. So make sure you go to the show notes and, and click and sign up for that program. But The way that you really build deep relationships is by creating that trust. And the way that you create trust is by first creating basically a safe container. And what is a safe container? It's where the person that you're talking to doesn't feel judged. It's where they feel seen, heard, understood, validated, safe to open up and talk about what they're looking for, safe to share what they want, not told that they're wrong, not told that that's incorrect, not told that they've been looking for the wrong thing. So I knew that all of the stuff that I was going to teach was going to help get them all of the things that they wanted. It was a win-win. So changing my marketing to meet my people where they were at, highlighting the things that they were looking for so that they could connect with it and with me and they could trust me, then all of my methods, my process of helping them step into their power and all of the things that I talked about, that just became teaching in the program. I didn't have to market the process by which I was going to give them the results that they wanted. Oftentimes, right, and this is kind of the bullet point, of the mistake that I was making from the first time I launched to the second time that I launched was that I was marketing what I did, kind of like my solutions, right? My process, my how, like how do I get you from no love to fulfilling love? Here is my process. You're going to increase your self-esteem. You're going to do these things. I was marketing that as the end result for people. You're going to have self-esteem and you're going to, but that's not the end result for them. That was just how they got to their end result, right? So my marketing was completely wrong. The words I was using was wrong and I didn't even realize it, but I was creating distrust. I was creating a feeling of defensiveness and animosity because I was not meeting my audience where they were at. So then one of the best ways that you can build deep relationships with your audience is to let them know that you hear them. Not only do you hear them and see them, but you care about what they want. You care enough about what they want to deliver it in some kind of way or to let them know that you're going to get them to the destination that they want to be at. And that's why. That's why my second launch filled so quickly with a waiting list for the next round. So then how can you do this in your business? How can you make your people Feel truly seen, heard, understood, so that they feel safe and it develops a level of trust and connection so that you get all of the results that you want in your business in a way that feels good and not manipulative. Well, that's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about on today's episode. And you may be surprised by some of the things you hear. So sit back. I can't wait to talk to you. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because Rita, because of Rita be I've good, doubled my revenue by, by doubling employee. my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach, also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest, and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. You know, I just had an amazing experience at a local coffee shop here that I love. I go to this coffee shop more than I should probably go. But here's the thing. I'm not going to say its name because of what I'm about to say next. The coffee's not particularly great. It's actually not great coffee. (laughs) Their food is like, okay, (laughs) it's not great food. And honestly, like the actual physical environment, I've been in cozier coffee shops before. I've been in more welcoming coffee shops before. So if the coffee isn't that great, if the food is, you know, average, and if the environment's just all right, then why on earth do I keep going back to this coffee shop? And it's because of the relationship that I have with the owner and the people of the coffee shop. Now, I didn't know them before I started going to this coffee shop, and I actually went to this coffee shop just out of convenience more than anything else. But the service, the staff, The way I feel when I'm there, the way that they make me feel, the trust that I've established in them and how I'll feel every time that I'm there, just the overall experience with the staff and the owner, even with other customers that have come in. But truthfully, it's just a relationship that I have built with this coffee house that keeps me going back to that coffee house. I mean think about it. I'm sure you have a business like that a business that you just love maybe the experience is just over the top and you just love everything about how you feel when you're there or maybe it's that they accept you <laughs> or they just validate your concerns or you feel like there's no judgment they help you move forward and they help you like who you are so you like how you feel about yourself when you interact with this business or you like how you feel overall I mean it could be A therapist, it could be a financial planner, it could be your salon, your hairstylist, it could be, I mean, just really any business where you just love, you just love how you feel about yourself and you just love the service, and it's just just whatever, right? Now, there are a ton of salons, there are a ton of therapists, there are a ton of, there's a ton of everybody who does everything. I mean, it's very rare to find someone who is Created a business that is so unique that no one anywhere does that, or that only one or two other people do that. Like, very, very rare. And it's even rare to have like a rare result. Like, as a business coach, I help people make more money. I help people get clients. I help people, like, that's not rare, right? So, business coaching isn't rare. And the results that I really, even though they're incredible, the results that I provide to people aren't rare. So, then why do people come to me? And it's the experience, it's the relationship, it's the interaction that I've had at all stages of my business, at all touch points. So whether that was in the marketing stages or the sales stages or whenever, however, That's ultimately the tipping point. That's why someone works with me or continues to work with me or comes back to me, much like the coffee shop that I'm talking about. Now, I hope I give excellent service to my clients, right? I know that I said that the coffee shop is average, but it doesn't have to be average. Like your hairstylist may be incredible, may give you the best cut of your life. However, if the experience of going to that location, if the interaction with a hairstylist, if any of the things that we've talked about are subpar or don't make you feel good or even if they give the best haircut, they make you feel judged about what you want or they make you feel – you're not coming back there. Do you see what I'm saying? So there are a ton of businesses that do all the same thing. and. It's not often the actual service or the actual product that is creating the customer-client loyalty. Although, yes, like I said, it has a lot to do with it. It definitely plays a role. But it's because of that bigger feeling, that bigger relationship, that trust, that acceptance that you feel validated, seen, heard, understood through the interactions and the experiences. And that's the same thing you want to create for your people, for your clients, yes, absolutely, but for your audience as a whole, your community as a whole. And that's why I'm so excited to dive in today to talk about it, because I think some of the ways that we go about it, we think, well, of course, people need to feel seen, heard, and understood, and this is the way to do that. But there's some not-as-talked-about ways, and I think that this is actually hurting people from making the connection with their audience. And so we're going to dive into all the ways today. Look, guys, I'm not the first one to tell you this, and this is not a secret. There is a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of noise out there, especially in online business and offline. But let's just be honest. There's just a lot of noise out there, and you have to cut through it to make sure that your people hear you and see you. But the fastest way and the best way for that to happen, for the right people to hear you and see you, is for you to hear and see them and to let them know that you hear and see them. And I think that oftentimes this is talked about in the concept of educational-based marketing. Like make sure that you're putting out content, you're writing posts, and you're doing videos about the pain points, the pain points that your audience is experiencing and the results that they want, and then let them know clearly that what you do helps them fix those pain points, (laughs) helps them get those results. And then they're gonna resonate. They're gonna see themselves in the pain points. They're gonna connect to the results and they're gonna move forward with you. And that's not inaccurate, that's true. But it's about so much more than that. I mean, let's even start here. At the beginning of this episode, I shared a story with you about my first group coaching program and how it flopped. And the reason it flopped is that I really approached that whole thing. I mean, it was the first thing I had done as an entrepreneur, guys. Here's the mindset that I approached that with. Well, I need to know what kind of expert am I if I don't know what my audience needs, what my audience wants, what my people want and need. I'm the expert, they're coming to me, I need to know. If I don't know, then how can I deliver real value The only way I can really deliver value is by showing up as the expert and telling people the true things that they really need to get the results that they want. So I came at it from a place of knowing, like it was my job. The only way that I could be an expert and run this business was to come at it from a place of having to know, know what my audience needed. But I'm here to tell you guys, it's not your job. It's not your job to know what your audience wants. It is your job to hear what they want. And again, right, I knew what they ultimately needed, but I also thought that I knew what they wanted. I just want you to hear the difference in those words. Need and want, (laughs) they're different things. I knew what they needed. Again, in that example, they needed to have a higher self-esteem, they needed to work through limiting beliefs, and they needed to really step into their value. That's what they needed. But I also thought that I knew what they wanted, (laughs) I thought that they wanted fulfilling love. I thought that they wanted to work on being the best version of themselves to attract the right partner. And I felt like I had to know what they want because, again, that's how you become an expert. That's how you run a business, right? But here's the thing. It is not your job to know what your audience wants. It is your job to hear what they want. Now, you might know what they really need. Like I said, in the program, I still gave them everything that they needed, but I also intertwined it with everything that they wanted. The solutions, the results, (laughs) everything that they wanted. And I did it by intertwining it and wrapping it up with what they needed. But in my marketing, it was all about them. But the only way I got there, guys, was by listening to them. So it's the same thing. For you, it means you have to listen to your audience. If your job is not to know what they want, but to hear what they want, you have to listen in order to be able to hear. So then where are you listening to them? Where are you going to listen to them? Because educational marketing is about talking to them. And you might be able to make that. You will. You can make that connection that builds trust and relationship. But like I said, it's about so much more than that. So where are you going to listen? And I would say anywhere that they're talking. Where are your people already talking? What groups are they in? Where they're actively participating, they're asking questions, they're talking about their struggles, they're talking about their challenges. So online or offline, what groups are they participating in? What forums are they participating in? What social audio rooms are they contributing to? Are they leading or are they speaking in? What blogs are they commenting on? I mean, guys, when I was a dating coach, one of the best ways that I really learned about my audience was by going to blogs that were written by single people, not by dating coaches, not that that helped. But I found that some of the best blogs were singles who were not dating coaches. And they were actually just blogging about their experiences dating. And other singles went and said, hey, me too. I feel like that as well. Or listen to my story. And they were being open. They were being vulnerable. And I was able to really understand them by reading those comments. Same, you know, looking at comments on other social media posts or, you know, reading publications they read. If your audience are professional speakers, get the National Speaker Association monthly monthly magazine and read the headlines of the articles because those articles are being written because professional speakers care about those topics. They've asked about them. These are all ways that you guys can learn about your audience. So that's the first way. That's kind of like the way that doesn't require your audience to actually be talking one-on-one with you. It's something you can go Google and start finding some of these places and really reading and Reading beyond the words, guys. This is something we're going to talk about again later when we get to sales calls. But really reading past the words and looking at it from a bigger point of view. What are they really trying to say? Maybe even looking and asking the internet, the interwebs, (laughs) even more clarifying specific questions to try to get to more nuanced answers. But we'll talk about that again. That, That happens easier when you talk to your audience. But the idea is... You know, really not just reading the words and going, oh, okay, they said this, they said this, like, but asking why, being curious, I wonder why they said that. I wonder why they said it in that way. And noticing those details, here's what they said, but here's why I believe they said it. And here's how they said something and why I believe they're using those words. So it's about more than just what are they talking about, but it's why are they talking about it and how are they talking about it? And whether you're doing that from any of these kind of consumption ways that I just talked about or the conversation ways that we're about to go to, those are really important things for you to notice. Before I go on, I just kind of want to pause and I want to talk about two paths because there are really two paths that you can go down to build a business. And I want you to ask yourself, which path are you heading down? Which path are you on? Because one path, makes things way more difficult. It takes much longer. And oftentimes, it actually fails to produce results at all. And the other really helps those results move along quickly with a feeling of ease and more importantly, excitement. And all of this in a way that quote unquote feels good, right? I mean, I don't know why I put it in quotes. It really does feel good (laughs) to grow your business. And so I want you to be on the path, obviously, that makes things happen with ease quickly and feels good. So The path one way of building your business is a business focused approach. And here's what that means you spend a lot of time thinking about what you want to sell. What course are you going to create? What program are you going to offer? What package are you creating? What, you know, audio, what master, just whatever it is. You spend a lot of time thinking and putting together what it is that you want to sell. And then, You learn all you can about business. You keep going and researching branding, marketing, and sales strategy over and over and over, learning all of the things you can. So in the business-focused approach, you really think and spend a lot of time about what are we going to sell, you put it all together, and then you learn everything you can about business, just all the pieces of business, and you're learning it so that you can craft all of the right messages to put out in the world, that will show and convince your people, the people you want to reach, that, hey, my thing that I'm selling solves your problems. So that's the business-focused path. Now, the second path, the second path is the people-focused path. On this path, you spend a lot of time learning all about your people. You learn about their challenges. You learn how they learn. What are their learning styles? How do they like to learn? How do they like to consume content? How do they consume content? Where are they when they're consuming different types of content? What's happening around them at the moments they're consuming content? What is the world like through their eyes and in their shoes if you moved through a day as them What would you be experiencing from minute to minute? What feelings, what actual things are happening to you as you move through a day as them? What are their goals? What are their pain points and their challenges as they move throughout the day? What are their aspirations? So in this people-focused approach, you're spending all this time learning all of these things on a deep level about your people. And then after that's done, Then from that information, from that data that you've collected about your people, you determine what you'll create for them and what features to include based on what you've learned about them and how to offer it to them, how to offer it in a way so that they feel really supported, and then how to best approach and reach them. Again, you're going to determine all of those things from the information that you've gathered about them, from spending a lot of time learning all about them. So which path are you on and which path do you think takes longer? I mean, obviously, right? Building your business around your people, it's always going to be the fastest way to get clients, to generate revenue, to make a lasting impact. Building your business around your people is always the best way to go. So in the business-focused approach, you're not. You're not building it around your people. You're building your business first. And then you're bringing it out to your people. So you're trying to make the business fit, the people. The people are there and you're taking what you've created and you're trying to get it to fit like a puzzle piece instead of approaching it from that people-focused approach, the people-centric business and say, wait a minute, I'm gonna learn all about my people and then I'm going to create the things that fit with them. I'm gonna create all of the pieces of my business that fit with them. So it's not just the pain points that you're solving, right, which is what we talked about earlier. But I mean, in this people-focused approach, kind of the client-centric approach, right, your audience, your people approach, every decision in your business is about them. Your website isn't about you. It's about them. What are they looking for? What makes it easy for them to navigate their website? Your payment process, guys, your payment process isn't about you. It's about them. How do they prefer to pay? What makes it easy for them to give me money? I can't tell you how many people I hear. I think I've said this on a podcast before, but how many people I hear say, oh, no, I don't accept credit cards. I don't accept credit cards or PayPal or because there's a fee. There's a fee taken out. I want my clients to pay me cash. I want my clients to write me a check and then mail it. That's a business-focused approach, which is really a self-focused approach of like what's good for me? What do I want? And what makes my life easier? But again, that's the struggle That's a difficult path to building your business. Your question at all times should be, what do they want? What do my people want? What makes it easier for them? What makes it easier for them to get results, but also what makes it easier for them to utilize all of the things and to move through all of the pieces of my business? What makes it easy for them to move through my marketing stages of my business? What makes it easy for them to move through my sales process, what makes it easy for them to use my products and my services, like that delivery phase, what makes it easier for them in the delivery phase, what makes it easier for them to give testimonials, what makes it easier for them, right, in all areas of your business. That's really what it means to have a people-focused, client-centric business. This is really what it means to build a true, trusting, Relationship with your audience. It's not only about connecting on pain points and results. It's about showing that you see them, you know them, you understand them. You understand them from their perspective, from what's happening in their world. And you showcase that in how you're putting out content, where you're putting out content, what your calls to action are in your content. How you're structuring your offerings, how you're delivering your offerings and your services, how you're marketing them, how you're selling them, everything is through their eyes. Now, there are three main areas that you could look at in your business, and I kind of just said them, but I want to summarize them for you. There are three main areas in your business that you can look at to quickly determine I mean, really quickly determine, have I built a people-centric business, right? That faster, easier, feel-good path? Or am I kind of on this business-focused path, which is really kind of a self-focused path? And there are three main areas that you can look at to do that. And those three areas are, number one, your services. That's the first place to look. Are your programs, your courses, and your services created and delivered using all of that information that you know about your people. If your people aren't where they can or don't like to be in front of videos and their computer, like, are you maybe putting the content on a podcast that they can, maybe a private podcast that they can consume instead of watching videos? If they're not where during their day, it's easy for them to sit and listen and watch a video. Are you providing it also in a transcript form? Are you using sites that they like that make it easy for them to use? Or are the The sites that you're using to deliver your services and your content, is it easy for you and convenient for you, but it's a struggle for them or it's chaotic for them? Look at all of your processes. I mean, look at your onboarding process too, right? But right now, we're talking about your services, right? Your programs, your courses, the services. Are they created and are they delivered using all of that information that you know about them to make it easy for them and to show, I get you. I I understand you. I I understand where you are when you're consuming and using and trying to implement and trying to do, and I've created and structured and delivered this in a way for you with what I know about you. So a lot of times the disconnect is like in the marketing, people are really great at making this connection and building this relationship and showcasing, I know you. But then the actual structure of the service isn't what the audience is wanting or needing. This is like when people go, well, I wanna build a member. I'm not saying membership programs are bad, guys. I'm in a couple and they're quite good. And a lot of people's membership programs are very successful. So I'm not saying that this is good or bad. I'm just saying this as an example. I wanna caveat that for you. But this is where when people aren't asking their audience certain questions, we're gonna get to that, but asking all of these questions, they are creating things that their audience doesn't really want here's a great example. I'll use my, so I see guys, I get scattered. So, all right, I'll stick with one. I'll stick with the membership but then I'll go to my personal example. So again, the membership, you might go, okay, I'm going to put videos and transcripts and and then your clients are like, yeah, but my day, you don't understand. I, I can't log in and watch five videos and I can't work through eight worksheets and I I can't like figure this out on my own. This is exactly where I keep getting stuck. I mean, I find this information online everywhere and And I'm not implementing it. And that's not what I need. What I need is access to you. And we talked about that in the last episode. So if you haven't listened to the difference between access and information, why it matters for your business, what to do about it, like go back to the last episode. It was really, I was going to say, it was quite good. (laughs) It was quite good. But I can't do an English accent, guys. I can't do an English accent. But you see what I'm saying, right? Like if that's not how they want to learn and how they want to consume content, if that's not really the support that they need, you can have the best connection in your marketing. You can even have the best connection in your sales processes, but the disconnect will be in the thing that you're actually offering. And oftentimes people are creating offerings that feel good to them oh, I don't like one-on-one coaching. And I'm not saying you have to do something that feels bad in your business either, guys. That's not what I'm saying. There's always like a nuance to all of this. This is just a general high-level example. You know, oh, I don't like one-on-one coaching. I want to... Earn passive income. I want to have plenty of free time. And so the fastest way will be a membership program or a course that's just delivered and do it yourself. But like, if that's not connecting with your audience, right? Here's something that came up recently. I think, I think I shared this in a past episode of the podcast, but even in my own private coaching, this has started to come up where I structured my private coaching. It's a six-month package. It has 18 45 minute sessions. It's got an onboarding session, right? Like it's structured. Eight the, the meat of it is 18 45 minute calls. And then they have access to me between the calls. But a lot of my like most high achieving private clients aren't actually using all of the calls at all. In fact, most of my private clients don't use all 18 calls. And I was feeling really some kind of way about that. I was like, And so I finally talked to them about it. And they're like, Rita, I just don't have time. I'm so busy, right? Like, quote, unquote, busy. It's really that they're so full. They're so successful. Their days are full of all of these incredible things. And they're like, I don't really have time for, I mean, they do. Guys, I'm using the language that I coach my clients not to use. So just know. That I coach my clients differently around this perspective, but to make talking about it very easy. They're like, you know, I just that's that's not what serves me. It's not about having a 45 minute call every week. It's about having access to you to ask you a question when I need to ask you a question. And that might just be one minute. It's about feedback. It's about immediate feedback. It's about you reviewing something and giving some critiques. It's about, you know, being able to tap into your brain and have that partner to help me brainstorm something. And all of my clients, guys, I'm not saying to do this to the detriment of your boundaries. I have very hard boundaries. My clients all know them and they respect them. So even in this situation of I want you when I want you, they mean I want you when I want you, but in the context of your boundaries, right? But you see what I'm saying? It's like 18 45-minute sessions. It wasn't that they didn't like me or like coaching with me. It's not that, right? It's that that doesn't serve them. The structure, the container of my program doesn't serve them. So I'm changing the container. I'm changing the structure. I used to include all of these bonuses. Like, You'll also get access to this video course and you'll also get, and they weren't ever listening to anything. And again, it was the same reason they're like, I don't want to listen to videos. I don't want to work through workbooks. That's why I hired you privately. So like the disconnect also was in all of this stuff where I thought I was adding value, but I really wasn't because it wasn't created and delivered in a way that really connected with them because I didn't really come at creating those things necessarily from All that full, deep information beyond just knowing their pain points, right? Everything I was giving them solved pain points. But what I mean is like, where are they when they're consuming? What time of day is it? Are their kids running around their house like crazy? (laughs) Like what's going on while they're actually trying to do these things? Like that is what's allowing me to change the container of how I'm delivering what I'm doing. And I'm actually reviewing my mastermind, my course, like all my programs right now because the world has pivoted (laughs) and changed again and it will always pivot and change. So from time to time, I have to sit and review all of this, right? And so do you. That's my, that's my point, right? You need to build all of your business around your people. So you need to look at your services. That's number one. Are your programs, are your courses and services created and delivered using all of that information that you know about your people after spending a lot of time learning about your people? And number two, your marketing. Are you meeting your people where they are? And are you speaking to what they're looking for? So that's like in the example that I gave at the beginning of this episode where my group coaching program bombed because I wasn't speaking to where they were and I wasn't speaking to what they were looking for. I was speaking to what I knew they needed and that was a disconnect. And then number three, the third area to look at to determine have you built a business-focused business or a people client-centric business is your sales process. Are you making it easy for people to do business with you? Are you adding all of these obstacles along the way? Is it difficult and hard for them to schedule a sales call? Is it difficult and hard for them to get through the sales call? Is it hard for them to make a decision on the sales call? Is it hard for them to decide what to purchase from you on the sales call? Is it hard to write like Is it hard for them to pay you once they've decided they want to move forward with you? Is it So are you adding all of these obstacles or is that even created, your sales process, created from a place that comes from all of the information that you've learned about them? To take a step back to the marketing part of things, right, the marketing review, here's a great example. Like maybe one of the the number one ways you market your business is a podcast. And I had a client where this was happening. It was the main way that she marketed her business, and she was putting all of her calls to action. Sign up for my masterclass, and sign up for this, and sign up for that. And she's like, hey, like, I keep doing it, and the links are clearly in the show notes, but nobody's registering. They're not signing up for my programs. They're not replying and letting me know things. They're not whatever it was. And as we dug into it, it's because her market, when they listen to podcasts, they were out. They were out at the grocery store shopping and running errands. They were vacuuming. They were cleaning their house. They were nursing their babies. They were out on on the playground. They they were anywhere but where it was going to be easy for them to pull out their credit card and pay for a program and go on their phone and register. And by the time they got home, I mean, the podcast, it wasn't forgotten. But you know what I mean, like the podcast was kind of a thing of the past. Their day had taken shape and distracted them and there were no other reminders. This person wasn't sending out emails and wasn't like really being visible in a variety. didn't even really have a container where being visible made sense for her audience. And so her audience was just like forgetting and not too because it wasn't easy for them because she wasn't thinking about where were they and what's happening around them when they're consuming content and therefore what would they actually need to make it easy for them to take action towards the things she was calling them to action on and the minute she got clear about that and implemented that like everything changed people were signing up for classes and stuff so again these things to look at your services to look at your marketing and to look at your sales process will very quickly tell you if you're on the path of a business focused business which is the longer more difficult path that often doesn't even produce results or Are you on the people focus path? Or do you want to get onto the people focus path? And again, that comes from learning everything you can about your audience. So like I'd love to ask you, what if, you know, instead of, let's just say for the next month, what if instead of focusing on learning more about business, like learning the next Instagram strategy, learning how to use YouTube, (laughs) learning like all of these branding and sales and marketing things, what if instead you focused on learning about your people? What if you poured your time and your attention into learning just more, more about your people? What could happen? What could happen for your business if you really knew what their challenges were? If you really learned what a day in their life was like from soup to nuts, top to bottom, like everything that's going on around them in extreme detail. What if you learned exactly where they are and what's going on and how they consume content? What if you learned where their attention is already? and how they're, like, interacting and showing up in those places where their attention was. Like, what would be possible for you? And, like, all of that, guys, that's what I'm going into when you're like, well, Rita, you just said don't learn about business, so, (laughs) so maybe I shouldn't sign up for your Relationship Selling Masterclass, right? Like, In the Relationship Selling Masterclass, this is what we're going to, you're going to learn about tools to do this. Like, how do you learn about your audience? How do you connect with your audience? How do you then put it all together to build trust with your audience through not just your marketing, but your sales process and your offerings and your delivery and every piece of it, right? So that course does fall, by the way, even though it's free. Right, it's free. So, hey, that's good. But it really does fall under the umbrella of learning about your people because it's going to give you the tools and the information to do that. So, consuming in order to actually implement down the path of making your business a relationship focused, relationship selling model, people centric business, always going to be a good thing. Never going to tell you that's a bad thing. So, as we near the end of today's episode, I do want to touch on sales for a minute, right? I mean, after all, my masterclass is about relationship selling. Now, know again, we are going to go into detail. This is like the concept, the high-level overview of what does it mean to build a people-centric business? How do you really make your audience feel seen, heard, and understood? What are these unknown ways beyond just like pain points and results that allow your audience and your people to feel seen, heard, and understood? And we are going to talk about this from a sales call perspective real quickly. But know in the masterclass, we're going to go... Into a lot of detail, guys, a lot of detail with all of these things. But the reason that I repeatedly, so I do, I repeatedly now, and it wasn't at the beginning, guys, but now, eight years later, I mean, I repeatedly book out my private coaching. My private coaching is completely full. I haven't really had a spot until recently. I had a spot come open and filled it from a referral, right? Like I have a wait list. For it. But the reason that I repeatedly book out my private coaching and I fill my mastermind program and I have a wait list for available spots right now for my mastermind even, I haven't marketed that to the public for a while. And I, I have generated multiple six figures in my business now almost the entire time that I've had a business. It's all because I've made my sales process about my people. So I make my sales process about my people and not about me. Not about my programs, not about my services. Because again, sales happen with ease when your sales process, and especially your sales conversation, which is what I want to talk about for a minute, but sales happen with ease when your sales conversation focuses more on building a relationship with a person you're talking to than on getting a client and having that person you're talking to become a client. So there are a couple of things that you really should be doing on a sales call to help with this. And this came up because I was talking about this whole concept with a prospective client the other day, someone who's interested in my next round of my program, the most important thing, which guys isn't until maybe later this year, (laughs) early next year. So if you want to get on the wait list for that, like let me know. But this came up in a conversation with them. She was really frustrated because her sales calls weren't resulting in sales. And she was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. And so I had her like kind of role play me through a sample sales call so I could understand and where she would need to focus or what value I could provide to her to help her, you know, work through the issue. And it turned out her sales calls were like 15 or 20 minutes and the full 15 or 20 minutes she's talking about her like, well, let me tell you about me and here's my education and here's my training. Here's my experience. Oh, and let's talk about my programs. I have this program and I have that program and here are the logistics of it. Here's how it's structured and here are the results that it's provided for other people and how would you like to move forward, right? Like that was really the structure of her sales call. And I was like, wow. Wow. You know, back when I was a dating coach, it's the equivalent of speed dating. When people told me they hated speed dating and they didn't like it, it was always the same thing. They were coming at it from the wrong approach. They were spending each little 10-minute date or however long dates are (laughs) during speed dating now, right? They were spending each and every one like talking about themselves. So a new person would sit down in front of them and they'd say, okay, so my name is so-and-so and and here's what I do and here's what I like and blah, blah, blah. And then they're like exhausted. They're like, I just, you know, I just talked and I said the same thing and it was just like boring. Each little speed date was the same and it resulted in nothing and I'm so over it. And that's kind of what this equivalent of the sales call thing was, right? A 15-minute conversation where she's talking all about her and all about what she offers and all about what she does and all about the results that she's providing, all about her. And then at the end of it, she's wondering why nobody is like saying, hey, check. Like, I'm checking the box that I want to connect with you and like get to know you better, right? Like, they're just moving on and she's tired and she's frustrated because that can be exhausting, Right. So I was like, whoa, we need to completely change how you're approaching your sales call. Your sales calls are not to talk about you, not to talk about your programs, even or your services or the logistics of them. Not that you won't, not that you won't at the end, but that's not the primary reason for it. The primary reason for a sales call is about the person you're talking to, it's about to learn about them, understand what their perspective is. Learn what their challenges are and understand how what you do can solve those challenges for them and how it supports them specifically and how how it helps them specifically. And for that to be specific, you have to know what is their specific problem? What is their day like? What kind of support are they looking for? And you have to be able to connect the dots to them. And each person is different, which is why in a speed dating situation, if you ask questions and you're just asking questions and then they say things and you're asking more questions about what you hear and then they say more and then you're asking more you're it's completely different. It's a completely different conversation although everybody's in that room to find love, right? It's a very or I, I would assume, let's just assume, everybody's in that scenario to find love. The outcome is going to be very different when you focus it on that. Whereas like the outcome is going to be the same if you are focused on that kind of self focused way, the outcome is going to be the same. You're saying the same things, results same, it all feels same, right? So what should you be doing on your sales call? You need to make them longer. You need to put a longer container because you want to give the space for people to feel safe, for people to feel seen, for people to feel heard, for people to feel understood. And that means I've got to tell you a few things. And you're going to be listening and asking clarifying questions and asking more questions and listening some more and you know, validating and clarifying again and giving the space for them to just talk things out. To express their concerns, to express their challenges, to talk about their aspirations, to talk about things in the past that have kept them from it, to really like give that container the space it needs for that trust to develop. That doesn't happen in a rushed environment where you're barely talking about them at all. In fact, when you're doing most of the talking, it's not going to happen. So on your sales conversations, we're going to talk about this again in the Relationship Selling Masterclass. But here are some things that you really need to be doing on a sales call. Number one, you need to be asking questions. You need to start it with questions, and then once you get answers, you need to ask more questions, <laughs> and then when you get answers, you want to ask even more questions. And the goal is to really learn about them, all of the things we've talked about this whole episode, but learn their perspectives, learn the problems that they want solved. Listen, when you're asking questions, the second thing, well, okay, it's, not, it's the third, but hand in hand with asking questions <laughs> is listening to the answer. Okay, so you're listening beyond what they're saying and you're asking more questions, clarifying questions to get to what their real needs are. So you're just asking and listening and asking some more and listening and asking some more (laughs) and listening. Right. So, number one, you're asking questions. Number two, you're validating. Validate their perspectives. Validate how they view things validate their concerns about things, validate the aspirations, let them know that you're meeting them where they're at, that you don't judge them, that they really feel seen, heard, and understood. And then the third thing on a sales call is that listening. So asking questions, validating, and listening. But it's like active, empathetic listening, guys. So you're staying present. You're not Thinking about what you're going to say next, right? Like on a lot, this is, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's why I hate sales scripts. But I mean, think about just conversations in general. When you're out somewhere and somebody starts talking and it triggers a thought in you and you're like, oh, I want to share that. Oh my gosh, she's talking about that. And I have a story to share about that too. Well, guess what? Now you're not listening. Now you're thinking about what you want to say, and you're actually kind of even thinking about, well, when's the pause? When's the break? When can I share? And it might be an incredible story. I'm not saying that. It might be an incredible share. But your brain is now focused on that. It's trying to formulate your comeback. It's trying to formulate your counter argument. It's trying to formulate your response or the next influential thing that you're going to say because a response wasn't what, what you wanted or it started going down a path you didn't want or it's taking the conversation in a direction you didn't want it to go and you need to get it back on track. And so in that moment, your brain is anywhere but listening. So you have to stay present. And ways that make that easier is to ask a question about the answer that you're given. So like in the dating world, again, it was the example of like, maybe if I'm like, well, tell me, what do you like to do for fun? And the person's like, well, I love to play tennis. But now I'm on to the next conversation. And where do you work? And then, you know, where did you grow up? And right, like, because I'm already thinking about what the next question is going to be so that I can get the information that I need in that dating scenario. Well, the better thing would be if I have to ask a question about what they said, if I have to kind of repeat and paraphrase what they said and then ask a clarifying question about it. It cuts off my ability to direct that conversation where I wanted it to go because I'm being present and I'm being interactive with what they're saying. And so in the situation of dating again, if I'm like, well, what do you like to do for fun? And the person's like, I love to play tennis. Then I would kind of nod my head and say, tennis, that's great. Right. There, there I go, validating, acknowledging, repeating. So they hear that I heard. And then I ask a clarifying question. Well, where did you learn to play tennis? And then they're like, Well, my father taught me. And I'm like, Oh, your father, that's awesome. Are you close with your father? Right. Whereas in my head, I might have wanted to have moved on to find out what they did for a living, right? But instead now I'm present and I'm engaged, that same skill will be so helpful on a sales call, right? And this is why I hate sales scripts. The sales call scripts, guys, like that you're always asking me for, like, do you have a script for how I can overcome an objection? Or do you have a script for a sales call, Rita? Do you have a script? It's like, no, it's literally impossible. It's impossible to be listening if you're thinking about what you'll say next. And that's exactly what you're focused on when you have a sales script. You're trying to keep to the script. So the minute it's not going, you're going to be thinking, how can I get it back over here? Oh my gosh, like, what should I say next? I wasn't anticipating that. I don't have the right answer. So like when you're trying to use a sales call script, all that's going to do is focus you on what am I going to say next? What's the next thing I'm going to say? And that takes you out of the conversation And we just learned the most important things to do on a sales call is to be present and to be engaged, to be actively and empathetically listening and validating and just asking more questions. So you're listening more than you're talking. You're asking questions more than you're stating anything. And you're validating and you're meeting people where they're at. And one of the best ways to do this, guys, is actually with the objections. So I can't tell you how many people tell me, Rita, I hate that. I don't want to talk about objections with people that's manipulative, that's gross, that feels so pushy. Well, it can if you're coming at it from the wrong perspective or the wrong mindset. So I'm just gonna challenge here real quickly as we end a new way to think about objections because it goes hand in hand with building trust and building this relationship, especially on a sales call with people. I mean, let's just first like kind of set the table that everybody gets objections, everyone. In fact, most people, the objections are going to be the very thing that you're trying to solve for people. So what do I mean by that? Like if you're a productivity coach and you help people get organized, probably the number one objection for people is going to be they're too busy. They're too busy to do your program or to work with you or to be in that mastermind, right? If you're a money coach, if you help people with money or money mindset or finances or anything, probably the number one objection is going to be money, right? For me, I help people get clients, The number one objection is, well, I need to get some clients. (laughs) I need to get some clients to be able to pay you. And really, it's like, "Mm, by paying me, that's how you're going to get the clients, right? But you see what I'm saying? Objections, I'm just normalizing objections. They're normal. But here's a way that you build trust with people too, guys. Like When people vocalize an objection, they're actually being very vulnerable and they're sharing with you. And they want to have a conversation around that they've opened the door to a conversation. There was a study. I wish I had recorded this down for this podcast. And I'm going to make up this statistic, but it's close, guys. It's close. And it was like 73% of people wish that on a sales call that the person leading the sales call would help them frame and talk through their decision. And that most sales calls that didn't work, right, where they said no, where they didn't hire the people or buy the product, one of the top reasons, well, the top reason was, well, the person just talked about themselves the whole time and didn't learn anything about me and my business. But behind that, number two, was the person didn't talk me through my decision Didn't talk me through the good, didn't talk me through the bad, didn't help me reframe things. People want that, right? So that's kind of like the second thing that I'm just putting out here as we talk about objections. But here's why I love objections. We're talking about getting to know your audience, getting to know your people. Guys, there's no better way to get to know your people than understanding what they're thinking, What thoughts come up for them? What concerns do they have? And validating them, right? When people are like, well, Rita, you know, it's an investment to work with you. Like, that's a large investment for private coaching. And I'm like, it is, right? I validate it. I get it. It is. It's a large investment. And then if they're like, well, I just don't think I can afford it, it really wouldn't be a relationship building tool if I'm like, well, okay, then. Cool. Just let me know. Later, talk to you, right? Instead, it's like, yeah, absolutely. I totally understand that. It's got to feel good for you. But can we have a conversation around that, right? Can we talk about that? And here's the thing. Learning about objections isn't only good in the moment. I'm not saying that. Like, it is good in the moment to have a conversation, talk people through. And again, it's about not trying to immediately come back with a statement of like, if somebody's like, oh, I can't afford it. It's like, oh, really? Well, here's the thing. By hiring me, you're actually gonna be able to afford it because then you're gonna go get the clients, right? Like that would be the bad way to like talk about objections because again, it's not about me, it's about them. So if somebody's like, well, Rita, I don't know. Like I don't have any clients right now. I want you because I wanna get clients, but I don't have clients. So I'm not quite sure how I could afford that. My job is not to come back with a statement and quote unquote overcome their objection. My job is to ask them more questions, (laughs) is to ask them clarifying questions so that I can get to what they're really saying. Because that's usually not the true final thing they're saying. It's like, oh, well, tell me about that. Like, let's talk about that a little more. Why is it that you feel like you have to have clients first to be able to afford blah, blah, blah? Or like, tell me what's coming up for you there. Like does that feel good to you? Does that feel bad to you? Like, let me know. Like, again, we're going to go into all of this stuff. uh, This podcast episode's already too long, guys. You can tell how much I love talking about this, but we are going to go into all of this deeper in the relationship selling masterclass. So I know most of you are sitting in front of a computer or you're on your phone 24 seven. So you can go to the link in the show notes or even easier for a lot of you go to Instagram to my Instagram account. Or my Facebook, whatever. Just send me a message and say you want the link. The link is also my Instagram bio. Guys, see? Making it really easy for you based on how you consume content. And go and sign up for that masterclass. But when I hear objections on sales calls, it also helps me then speak to those objections in my marketing. If I know that people are always going to have this objection, that they feel like they have to be able to afford all six months of coaching before they ever hire me for any coaching, I have to be able to speak to that in my marketing. (laughs) If that's a frequent objection, I have to start educating and informing and having dialogue and conversation around it in my marketing so that people can see, oh, wait, like, here's why I'm thinking that way. And here's a way that maybe is different, you know, a different way to look at it, a different perspective. But I have to be able to acknowledge their perspective and where they're coming from before they're even going to entertain looking at it another way. So all of this is really about learning about them, right? Because before I can respond to objections in the moment on sales calls, in my marketing, in any other part of my sales process, in a truly supportive way and a non-manipulative way, before I can really talk through objections in a way that holds space for somebody, that frames somebody's decision, that allows them to talk through it, that gives them that support they need to feel good about their decision, whether it's a yes or a no to work with me, before I can do that in a supportive way, I have to understand what the objections are, where they're coming from, you know, what the deeper meaning is behind the objection. And that means I have to have conversations around it. I have to engage my curiosity and ask a lot of questions and do a lot of listening and not a lot of talking about it. So in your sales calls, guys, in all areas, like, be asking questions and asking more questions, be present, right? That active and empathetic listening, validate, meet people where they're at, make them feel accepted and seen and heard. Let them Feel and really know, have that great experience of like, this is incredible. I feel so validated. I feel so empowered. I feel so clear. I feel so supported. I feel so seen. I feel so whatever, right? That's the trust. That's where all the trust comes from. And whether that results in a sale right then or down the road or referrals or never, that relationship, especially in the relationship selling model, that's the most important thing, guys. And it will. It will flow back to you from a variety of ways tenfold. So I can kind of like to recap this episode, guys. Really, the like too long, fast-forwarded all the way to the end, Rita, moment is just ask yourself, how can you serve, support, go above and beyond for your people, for your current clients, for your audience, for collaborators, right? Right. How are you able to give value to them? And value isn't only through these educational moments. It's not just solving a problem, here's a resource, here's a tip. I mean, yes, that's value. It shows that you understand them. But this podcast, guys, was about so much more than that, right? So it's how can I give value at all touch points in my marketing, in my sales, in my delivery, in my advocacy phases, right? Relationship selling is about all of those points and it's about making it all about the other person in everything you do, how you market, how you sell, what you offer, how you structure your offerings, how you're putting out content, what you're talking about, where you're talking about it, right? All of this. How can you give value? How can you focus on pouring out and giving value? And all of this at the end of the day comes from being very, very clear about your people, especially about the problem that you solve, especially about how you solve it, how you're different, why you, right, all of this, how they learn, you know, how you can present the solution to the problem, all of this. We're going to, again, I could talk about this forever, which is why I'm leading a masterclass on it. So I'm, I'm going to make myself shut up right now, guys, I'm gonna make myself shut up. But I'm going to end this episode by saying this, let's just for a while, total permission. <laughs> And as a business coach, guys, I'm telling you, total permission to stop learning about business and start learning about your people. In fact, start learning about people in general, about your people, yes. But the more you learn about people, including yourself, and this is what I help my clients do, I help my clients create this relationship in their marketing and create this relationship in their sales, right? And I help them learn about their people 100%. But I also help them learn about them and how they operate as a person because that's a crucial part of a relationship and also about people in general. If you really focus on learning about people, how people think, how people are motivated, how people make decisions, how people move through the world, how people react, how people show up, how people, and then add that to your people and then combine that with what you know about you and learn about you. I mean, guys, there is no stopping you if you do that. So for a while, let's just like, prioritize learning about people especially about your people be massively invested in them and they'll be massively invested in you and we're going to dive into this believe it or not deeper in more detail in that free relationship selling masterclass so click on the show notes head there sign up i'll see you there and i'll see you next week on another episode of the read and Me do it show hey before you go thank you for listening to my show i hope that you enjoyed this episode Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi me, me Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to RitaMamieDoIt.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.